Man, there is nothing like being in the house. There is nothing like being in the house. It is so incredible to be here today. I'm excited to be able to kick off a series uh, entitled One, One. And today we are going to be uh, looking at a masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? Are you ready for the word today? You ready for the word today? All the, the outline is found on the YouVersion app, so you can go through there. We will include all the key verses and all the main points up on the screen. We're excited for today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy. We thank you that we are nothing without you, but in you, we are everything. God, you are the all-sufficient God. I thank you that there is nothing that is taking place in our lives here today that is too impossible and too difficult for you. I thank you that you can work in any circumstance, in any situation. I thank you today for your word. You are the one person that can say the same thing to all of us, but say something different to each of us. Locate us. Find us where we're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's great to have you here with us today, and, and it really is an honor to be able to kick off a three-week series today. We're going to explore what it looks like for us here at Impact City Church, for us to be, to be able to live as one. So when you think of us as believers, what it means, what it signifies, how it looks like for us to live as one. But before I jump into that, I want to address independence, because it's one of the core values of us as Americans. It's one of the core values of the American culture. We're taught from an early age to be self-sufficient. Don't get me wrong, I am grateful for our freedom. But we are taught from an early age to be self-sufficient, and we're told to fend for ourselves, and we're told that in doing this, it's a sign of strength and it's a sign of maturity. Some people call it a preferred trait. Those who can't do it alone, those who need to call on someone, are viewed as weak or at least as less capable than those who can because we value independence. We value individualism above almost everything else in this world. But can I tell you that we weren't created to live this way? It may feel counterintuitive. It may feel contrary to what we've been taught. But the truth is that we were created and called to live in community. We were created and called to live in community. I'll say it one more time, but let me make it a little bit more personable. You were created. You were created and called to live in community. You're not called to live as an island all by yourself. When you look at the first problem in the Bible, the first problem wasn't sin. The first problem was solitude. The first problem was loneliness. In the book of Genesis, we understand that God creates man. And then he says in Genesis 2 and 18, he says, it is not good for a man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. That was the first thing that stood out 
to the almighty God that created us. And not just because he might be lonely, not just because he might need a companion, but because God wired us and designed us and formed us in this unique way to be able to do life in community. And the problem is that most of us don't want to do this, not because we are anti-community. No, we don't want to do it because sometimes we just don't understand it, or we don't want to do it because we have been trained to do life independently, or we don't want to do it because we don't know what we're missing. Can I tell you, if you are not in a small group, you don't know what you're missing. We don't want to do life in community because we don't know how how to? How can I take off my mask? How can I be vulnerable? How can I share what's going on on the inside? We don't know how. And as a result of this, most of us are far too focused on being individuals and being, being by ourselves. But this individualism, can I tell you this morning that it is robbing us of the joy it is robbing us of the strength, and it is robbing us of the hope that we are desperate for what we are looking for. And the only way to break the habit of doing life alone, the only way to experience the life that God has designed us to live, the life that we were truly meant to embrace, is to learn to live in and to be amongst community. And that's what this series is all about this morning, that for the next several weeks, we're going to explore what it looks like, what it, what it feels like, uh, the tangibleness of it, not just as groups uh, of different individuals, no, but we're going to learn what it looks like to live as one church uh, with one mission, to exalt Jesus uh, and to draw people to Jesus. Uh, that's what we're here for. But this is far more important than most of us realize, not just because doing life alone leaves us lacking, not just because doing life alone leaves us desperate in a desperate state of saying, what, what else is there? What else could I do? No, because we are each wonderfully and uniquely created by a God that, that knows the inner parts of us and knows every detail and knows the amount of hair on your head. He knows all of that and he wired us to do life alongside each other and that through that community that we would join forces and that we would transform our world, that we would let the message of Jesus be known to everyone that the God who saved me and the God that saved you. He can save your neighbor. That, that the God that healed your marriage can heal your, your co-worker's marriage. That, that everyone would know the power of God. That he is a God that knows no impossibility and that knows no difficulty. That he is a God that can work through it all. That there is nothing that is going on that is too difficult. We are each uniquely made to do life together. So can I tell you that we must learn, this may be new to some of us here today, we must learn to do life with others, even when life with others is difficult. It's not always easy. When we learn to do life as a united community, there is nothing that can stop us. There is nothing that can stop us. So if we're going to do this, if we're going to transform the world as a community, we need to understand a couple of things about ourselves. We're going to start with the man in the mirror. We're going to start with the man in the mirror. To do life together, we have to understand who we are. 
you have to understand who you are. You were created in the image of God. I'm going to speak life into you this morning. You were created in the image of God. You were, you were created as a masterpiece, made for a purpose. And there is only one of you. There is no one like you. There is only one of you. That means that you have a reason to be here on earth and a purpose to be and a purpose to fulfill. It does not matter what you have been told. It do, God does not make any accidents. God, you were created, designed before you were formed in your mother's womb. The Bible tells us that he knew you and he set you apart. I, I want to speak to you that even though your parents may have made you, God formed you and he designed you and he created you for this moment in time right now. You and I have a purpose to fulfill, but if we're honest, when we don't, when we don't do well in community, it can often be because of me. It can often be because of us, and I think because we don't understand at times who we are and what we are, nor do we understand who and what others are, and that's what I want to look at today, if we're going to live life as one, we must learn what we are, who we are, and we must learn who those around us are. So what am I? What are you? And how does this impact my life? Because can I tell you, until we find our purpose in God, we will just seemingly go through life always looking for the next thing. And the next thing, and looking for something to satisfy us on the inside that, that only God can truly give us. That satisfaction that only comes from him. So let me give you the short answer. You are a masterpiece. And how does this impact your life? Well, when you live life like a masterpiece, it transforms the whole world around you. And that, that's the point that I want to drive home today, that you are a masterpiece, that we are a masterpiece of the almighty God, and that we should live our lives like it. We should live our lives like it. That's the one thing I want you to get today, that you are a masterpiece. Let's live life in such a manner. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do. Why did he set us apart? Why did he create us as a masterpiece? He made us new so that we can do good things, the good things that he planned for us long ago. We were created by God. We were created for God. And we were created in the image of God. So how do I live like a masterpiece? The first is you got to live up to your purpose. Live up to your purpose. This means that you have an assignment to do. This means that the world is waiting on you to step in and do what only you can do the way you can do it. You have an assignment to do because you are God's masterpiece, created, the Bible tells us, for good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do, then you and I today have an assignment to do. 
And one of the greatest ways that you and I can honor God, one of the greatest ways that we can live up to that purpose is to do the task, to fulfill the task that we were created to do. This is really important here today because you may be a masterpiece, but if you aren't living out your purpose, if you aren't doing the task that he assigned you to do, then you aren't living up to your value. Help us, Jesus then you aren't living up to your value. You aren't living up to your potential. Let me put it this way. A vintage car is a masterpiece, but you don't use it to haul the little league soccer team around. That's why they have minivans. A vintage guitar is a masterpiece. You don't let your seven-year-old learn how to play the guitar on it or bang on it and then take it to show and tell. If you had the original Mona Lisa, you wouldn't use it to cover a hole in the back bathroom. You use what you have according to its value. If you are a masterpiece, and if, you are, if we are using it according to our value, if we, are, if we are living life according to our value, we need to live up to our purpose. You need to be used for what you were created to be used for. Can I tell you, we were not created to spend life in bad habits. We were not created to live life spending it to be involved and constantly just be looking for the next thing to do. No, we were created. We have value on our lives. We have been set apart by God and we have to live life according to that in Jesus' name. That's why the New Testament spends so much time talking about the things that us as followers of Jesus shouldn't do. It's not just because God wants all these rules for us, uh, these, random, these random expectations or requirements. No, it's that he recognizes that we are a masterpiece uh, and that he made us uh, and that, that we're too good for that. We're too good to be caught up in the same sin and we're too good to be caught up in the bad habits. We're too good for that. God says, I've called you for something greater. I've called you for something higher. There is something that God has designed you for. And he doesn't want us to be devalued. He doesn't want us to be devalued. So what's your assignment? What were you created for? Your assignment, your individual assignment, what you were created for is to represent Jesus. Is to represent Jesus. It looks different for each of us, but each of us have the the responsibility and the call, and I would even say it in a greater way, we have the privilege and the honor to represent Jesus. There is no higher calling on this earth. So this means how I treat others. This means how I have conversations. This means how I manage my time, and this is how I take care of myself. So if I'm going to be a masterpiece, and if you're going to live up to your purpose, we need to ask ourselves, how am I representing Jesus? Never think what you're doing doesn't matter. When you represent Jesus, you represent him everywhere you go. That you are fulfilling your task and your assignment, even if the situation you find yourself in today seems incredibly mundane or boring, 
Your task, my task, our task is to reflect Jesus to our world. So ask yourself the question today, in the privacy of your own heart, what am I reflecting? What am I reflecting? And the second way that you live like a masterpiece is this. We recognize the value of others. We recognize the value of others. Here at Impact City, we love everyone. Just like you were created in God's image. And just because of that, and we're therefore a masterpiece, because that makes us. Can I tell you this, that everyone that you and I interact with was also made in the image of God. Everyone, they may not look like us, they may not dress like us, they may not act like us, but they were made in the image of God, and we, are, we will love them. And if everyone else is created in the image of God, that means that there is, that they are a masterpiece as well. And I have to ask myself the tough question, how am I treating others? Stop and think about that for just a minute because we love the idea that we are a masterpiece. We love how we are made in the image of God. We love how we have value. But if it's true for us, it's also true for my neighbor. If it's true for us, it's also true for the one that's struggling right now. For the one that's down and out right now. Because can I tell you that was me and that was us at one point. But you don't know like I know what he's done for me. But if it's true, then I have to embrace the reality. It's not a concept. I have to embrace the reality that if I'm made in the image of God, my neighbor's made in the image of God. That person, at that, that person on my job that gives me a hard time, the person that I go to that sits next to me in class that, that talks about me, the person that I, am, that I am currently having conflict with, they are also made in the image of God, and i got to love them. And I got to love them. And I got to see the value in them. I have to understand that I'm a masterpiece, but they're a masterpiece also. And that's why the, the New Testament tells us uh, it's full of things of how, of how we should live life and things that we should avoid. It is to help us recognize uh, the value that is in our lives. But it's also there to remind us of how we need to view others and how we need to treat others and how we need to talk with others because God wants us here to recognize their value as well. That I, that I wouldn't look at them in their current situation situation that I wouldn't identify them and that I wouldn't label them by what they're currently going at because I'll tell you every single one of us could have been labeled by a specific trial and a specific problem that we were going through it's not my job to label them and identify them as this or that no it's my job to love them and say you know what God has a purpose for you and you may be struggling right now and you may be addicted right now and you may be going through something right now but I'm going to love Love you right where you're at because the God who saved me can save you. That's why Paul wrote these words to one of the communities in the first century in Philippians 2, 3 and 4. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition 
or vain conceit. No, he said, rather in humility, can you value others above yourselves? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of manipulating things to get your own way. Do nothing out of vain Conceit, selfish ambition, and vanity are the status quo for most of culture that we see around us. But, but for those who follow Jesus, for those of us that are in this room, Paul says, no, that's not how a masterpiece treats another masterpiece. Instead, we must learn to value others as we value ourselves. That's what Jesus did. That is how Jesus lived. And that's how he impacted his world. And when we live like this, we reflect Jesus back to our world. When we value ourselves and when we value others, we reflect Jesus back to our world. In fact, Paul follows us up by saying this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in, ve- in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. The way a masterpiece treats another masterpiece is by making yourself a humble servant, just like Christ Jesus, and say, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. And the best way to do this is I draw to a close is that we go back to our purpose. We go back to our purpose. Go back to the assignment that you've been given. Go back to the calling that is on your life. That that we reflect Jesus to our world around us by serving others. So what does this look like for you? Young mom, to your children, how are you serving them? Husband, to your wife, how are you serving her? Wife, to your husband, how are you serving him? At your job, how are you serving them? In your neighborhood, how are you serving them? In the grocery store, how are you serving them? Online, how are you serving them? You are created by God. You are a masterpiece. But it also makes everybody around us a masterpiece also. So for us to embrace this reality and to do life in community, to do life in groups, and to become one, we have to recognize our value, and we have to recognize the value of those around us. I have to recognize their value. I have to recognize my value. I have to constantly look at myself and say, am I valuing everybody around us? Because when we do this, we recognize the truth of God's word, what he says about our lives, that I view myself as he sees me. And I see others as he sees them. So what now? What's the takeaway? So how do I do this in my daily living? How do I do this when I walk out of these doors? So I want to give you three steps 
for you today. The first is that you would pray that God would help you realize that you're a masterpiece. That you may have gone through some things, but those things don't define who you are. That you are defined by what God says about you in his word. That you are chosen. You are blessed. You are highly favored. You are the head. You are not the tail. You are above. You're not beneath. You're blessed going in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed. Blessed is not associated with with the material things of this world. No, being blessed is having the invisible favor of God uh, to know that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I have to understand. I have to understand who I am in him. Ask him to reveal it to you. Ask him to reveal it to you. Ask him to show you your value in his eyes. Ask him to help you see yourself the way he sees you. The second thing is that you ask him to help you and see others the way he sees them. So it's not just about me, but it's about God. You know what what my friend's going through, and they're struggling. How can I serve them? How can I love them? How can I speak encouragement into their life in the situation that they currently find themselves? Lord, let me see everyone around me the way you see them. Ask him to show you how you can serve those other masterpieces that you come into contact with every day. How can I make a difference in the person that I just see as I'm passing by? How can I leave a long-lasting impact that that maybe they've been talked down to their whole life and maybe people have told them they'll never amount to anything, but that the moment that you step into their life and the moment that you walk into the conversation, that their lives would change, that they would have the hope that is inside of us, that, that is Jesus, that even though they've gone after trial after trial and struggle after struggle, that one embrace from you, that one handshake, that one smile, that one hug, that their lives would be turned upside down because God is in you and because he's in you because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit he he, he goes with us and and wherever you're at that that people would be able to see change real life change real life change I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about people that are just constantly needing to be encouraged and people that need hope that you and I would step into the gap and say hey let me tell you about Jesus hey let me tell you about Jesus I, I know you may have not given him a chance because you may have it may have been labeled to you in a way that was so discouraging maybe you've gone astray but let me can, can you give Jesus another chance I'm not talking about a church I'm not talking about any, I'm talking about a man who loves you enough that he would send his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life I'm talking about Jesus I'm talking about the healer I'm talking about the restorer I'm talking about the deliverer I'm talking about the one that can reach your grandson and that can reach your uncle and that can reach your husband and that can reach your wife I'm talking about Jesus that can change hearts and renew minds I'm talking about 
about Jesus that can heal, that can deliver, and that can restore. That's what I'm talking about. That what he did for me, he can do for you. David put it this way. He said, he picked me up out of the miry clay. Can you just think about that like, as it processes in your mind through like a movie? That, that he picked me up out of the miry clay. He picked me up out of the dust and where I found myself. And the Bible says that he picked me up from there and he put my feet upon a rock. And he put a praise in my life. That, that's why there, there's an attitude of gratitude inside of us. Because he came in for me. Nobody else. He didn't give up on me when everybody else walked out. He loves you like that. He loves you like that. He comes after you. He pursues you with a crazy love. He says, come to me, you're, you're heavy burdened. He says, you just, you've gone through so much in life that there's just a struggle constantly going on on the inside. You're, you're tired, you're frustrated. You sleep at night, but you don't get any rest. He says, come to me, I'll give you rest. The Bible tells us that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That he paid the price so you could sleep at night. He paid the price so you could live with your unlivable past. He paid the price for you. And he says, we're new creations in him. The old things have gone away. And behold, all things are made new. I don't know anybody who can do that for you or for me but Jesus. And if he, so I got to see what he can do in them. Because every problem is an opportunity for God to show up. So I see myself as how he sees me. I see others as how he sees them. And the last thing is this, that I start serving. That you would start serving. If you wait for the perfect time, There'll never be a perfect time. Sometimes if you wait until you feel like it, that will never come. But we're called to serve. We're called to serve. And if we're going to find unity and be one, then it's important to recognize ourselves and others as the masterpieces that God has created us to be. Father, I thank you today. I thank you today in this moment for your word that never returns void. I thank you for your love that finds me at my lowest point. I thank you for your word that reminds me of who I am, that I am more than a conqueror, that I am blessed that I am highly favored. I thank you for your word, God, that, that overrides, hallelujah, 
the problem that I'm currently facing. I thank you for your word that has the authority to override the situation that is right in front of us. God, and I declare your living word right now for everyone in this place that has been devalued by life and by circumstances and by people, God, right now that you would restore, God, that you would restore, God, hope, that you would restore perspective, that you would restore, God, the joy of your salvation. God, I thank you right now. Hallelujah. I thank you right now for your love that is overwhelming. I thank you for your love that comes to pick us up and dust us off. I thank you for everyone in this place today that is making the decision that even though life has knocked you down, that you'll dust yourself up and you'll get back up and you'll go at it again in Jesus' name. I thank you right now, God, for new beginnings. I thank you right now for a new season in life. I thank you for the chapter uh, turning over, God. I thank you right now for working in every heart and in every mind. Let us realize who we are. Let us realize and embrace those around us and understand who they are. That we are all masterpieces created by a perfect God that makes no mistakes, that makes no errors. God, I thank you today. God, and I'm so grateful that your love comes after us. I'm so grateful for the parable of the lost sheep. I'm grateful, God, that you love us enough that even though there are 99, if there is one, you pursue. You fasten your eyes and you come after. God, I thank you that there may be one person in this place, just one, that has not accepted you as their savior. And because of them, they're that important that we pause right now with every head bowed, with every eye closed. If you say, I, I'm tired, I'm carrying my shame, I'm carrying my guilt, I'm carrying a burden that is overwhelming, that is affecting every area of my life, it's too much for me on my own, and I have not given my life to Jesus. And you say, today's the day that I want to give my life. Today's the day that I want a new start. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I see you. God sees you. So I'm going to invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for loving me when I was unlovable. I receive you. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we put our hands together for everybody that received him today? The angels rejoice and God's people rejoice. I'm going to invite you to stand.
We're going to enter a moment of worship and our prayer partners are going to come up. And I love this moment because regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're facing, it may be a diagnosis that is uncertain. It may be some strife and some anger in your, in your household, in your marriage, with your children, at work, whatever the situation may be, maybe your finances are a mess. Whatever your situation is, as we enter this moment of worship, I want you to know that you don't have to carry that load on your own. I want you to know that you don't have to pray for what you're praying for alone, that you can throw it at the altar and believe together and that there's, know that there's people here with you that are, that are here not to look at you differently. We don't judge here. We leave the judging to Jesus. We don't do that. But we're here to pray with you, to believe with you, to stand in the gap with you, to say, you know what, we come into agreement with you for your healing, for, your, for what you're needing God to do. So I invite you, don't leave this place the way you came in. You can leave your burdens at the feet of Jesus. You can leave your hurt at the feet of Jesus. So I invite you. So one more time, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are in every detail. Thank you that you work in the impossibilities. Thank you that you work through the difficulties. I thank you that you can still open up the Red Sea. I thank you that you can still heal our loved ones. I thank you that you can still restore relationships. I thank you that you can revitalize our hearts and our minds. I thank you today that you can still work in finances, that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I thank you today, God, that there is nothing too difficult. There is nothing impossible in the house for you, God, that you would show yourself strong that you would show yourself strong in every situation, God, and we will give you the glory. We will give you the honor. We'll give you the praise. We thank you for working like no one else can work. God, some of us in this place have done everything we can with the resources that we have, and we have just been at a, at a stop. We've been at a standstill. We haven't been able to make progress. We haven't been able to resolve the issue. So we, and we repent from that. So we call on you. We call on you to do a great work today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.